Hey guys, what's up? This is Matt from The Big Fat Future. I don't know if this is true for you, but I'm starting to get a little burned out on Facebook. It's not that I don't like Facebook. I do. I mean, after all, it's where my friends and family hang out, and I can keep tabs on what they're up to and what they're thinking about, and my feed is dotted with baby pictures and vacation pictures and food pictures, and that's... well, that's nice, but... I don't know, like six or seven years ago, I felt like I was building something, like I was building an identity or maybe a character, a, a version of myself that had my name, but that was different than me in a lot of ways. And it kind of felt like there were a lot of other people doing that too, like peacocking in a way. Um, and it was still a relatively new platform. And today, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like everyone has the same identity, right? Like if I blurred the faces out of the uh, pictures on my newsfeed, I'm not sure I could tell you whose picture was whose, right? The baby pictures all look the same. The food pictures all look the same. The night out pictures, the vacation pictures, the inspirational landscapes, the links to political articles, they all look the same. And look, I work in advertising and we make pretty pictures for a living. So my set of friends and acquaintances is probably more creative than average. So if my perception of Facebook is that it's pretty homogenous, even when it's populated with a whole bunch of really creative folks, then I have to believe that the average person's Facebook experience is probably pretty, I don't know, Xeroxed, right? Every post is a copy of the one that came before it. Like, Facebook is life, just photocopied and collated. Um, but in the last episode, and if you missed it, uh, the last episode, good news, this is the internet. Um, you can find it on iTunes or Google Play, or if you're listening to this on Anchor, which I highly recommend, you can visit the Episodes tab in my profile. Um, so in the last episode, I talked about how social media didn't start out that way, right? It didn't start out homogenous. Um, I talked about this idea of empowerment by anonymity, and, and the idea was that uh, by creating avatars for ourselves, we were able to indulge our most deeply held interests without feeling shame or embarrassment. Uh, maybe it's the foggy lens of nostalgia, but I seem to remember there being a whole lot more interesting people on the anonymous internet. Uh, Reddit fans, you probably know what I mean. So how did we get here? How did we get to this homogenous place? And can we get back to the way that the internet used to be? Well, let, let's dig in here. Right? So last episode, I talked about identity, and I asked the question whether the real you was the person you are when you're anonymous, or if it's the person you are when you put your name next to something. And I realized that that's a little bit of a false dichotomy, right? The truth is um, that for any individual, you're probably somewhere between those two extremes, right? You're both the anonymous you and the non-anonymous you. And switching back and forth between those identities, it's not really binary, right? You can't just turn it on and off like a light switch. Or rather, it's less like a light switch and it's more like a light dimmer, right? You adapt how you behave to the situation at hand. And when it's time, for example, to let the anime nerd in you out, you let that nerd out. But the Facebook newsfeed isn't really the place to let the nerd out, is it? So we talked about this on the last episode, too. Think about it this way. I know there's at least one thing that you really, really love that the bulk of your friends and your family care exactly nothing about, right? So let's say it's... I don't know, let's say it's opera, and let's say you come across uh, this YouTube video of some unknown tenor doing an amazing rendition of Ridi Pagliaccio. Are you going to share that on Facebook? Well, if you're like me, probably not. Right? You'll, link to, uh, you'll, you'll text a link to the handful of friends who will truly appreciate it, or maybe you'll hit up a subreddit and you'll share it there. But the point is, 
that Facebook is the place for general purpose content, and that necessarily means that there are things, like that opera clip, that you don't share on Facebook. And there are two reasons why I think this is bad, right? First, um, you're not giving Facebook an accurate representation of you, which makes your Facebook experience kind of sucky. Um, and second, uh, it forces you to have a skewed perception of the world around you, and even inside the bubble that Facebook inherently creates. Now, whenever I start talking about bubbles, I'm usually confronted by at least one staunch advocate of isolationism, like a person who refuses to see the benefit in exploring viewpoints and cultures that, different from the, that are different from their own, uh, or that are otherwise not present in their day-to-day -day lives. So, quick caveat. If you are this kind of person, I want you to know that I love you and I appreciate you, but this episode is likely not for you. It's not that I don't want you to listen to it. I definitely do. But um, if you do, understand that you're about to be exposed to a viewpoint that contradicts your own. So for those that will take issue with the view that bubbles are bad, please skip to episode three. For the rest of you, let's talk about bubbles. Okay, so we were just talking about there being two problems with general purpose social networks on Facebook. Um, now, it's important to note that I keep calling out Facebook, but to varying degrees, this is true of every social network that makes you use a real name. Facebook just happens to be the most ubiquitous. So the first big, big problem that we're going to talk about is that the very nature of these kinds of networks makes it impossible for them to function properly, right? They effectively self-sabotage, and that hurts your experience of them. So to illustrate this, let's do a little exercise. I want you to grab a, a pen and a piece of paper uh, and I want you to, um, or I mean, this is the internet, right? Maybe open up your favorite note-taking app, right? Uh, however you do it, um, I want you to take out uh, a, a note-taking uh, paraphernalia. And without thinking about social media, I want you to write down all of the things that you deeply care about. And I want you to take some time with this, right? So try and make it as comprehensive as you can. Dig really deep. Uh, yes, you care about your friends and family. We all do. But what about, I don't know, local politics or industrial design or the ways that people use technology to communicate with each other. That one's on my list. Um, so really go deep here, right? I want you to hit the pause button and then I want you to come back when you think you're done. Okay? Seriously, hit the pause button, write down some things that you're passionate about. All right, ready? Go. Okay, you hit play again, which means that you've got a good list or it means that you never hit the pause button, in which case you're no fun. So now, for the next part of the exercise, I want you to scroll back through the things that you've shared on Facebook over the last couple of months, and I want, to, I want you to cross an item off your list when it appears on your feed, right? So if you shared a picture of you and your spouse at dinner, you can cross family off your list, or maybe food, or dinner, or whatever. Um, and I'm feeling magnanimous, so I want you to go ahead and scroll back for like, I don't know, six months or so, right? But here's the important part. Only count the posts that you share broadly, right? Don't count the posts that you send to one person or to a small group, all right? Does that make sense? All right, I want you to hit the pause button again. Yes, the second time. Hit the pause button, scroll back through your timeline, and start crossing things off. Ready? Go. All right, welcome back. So you've crossed a bunch of stuff off your list, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that you didn't cross off everything. Am I right? So if you're like many people, there are some things on your list that for whatever reason, you just don't feel right posting about on Facebook, no matter how much you care about them. And that's perfectly fine for the record. I'm not passing judgment. The point I'm trying to make is that there are things you love that you don't talk about on Facebook. There are probably lots of reasons for that, but let's think about what that means, right? 
So if you're not familiar with the inner workings of Facebook, one of the most important things to know is that your newsfeed is driven by an algorithm, which is kind of like a set of rules that helps Facebook figure out what to put in your newsfeed. The algorithm takes a lot of things into consideration, but basically it makes a guess about the things that you might like based on what you've liked previously and what your friends like and where you are and what other people who look like you tend to like. Um, the problem is that an algorithm behaves like a simple machine, right? In that it's only as smart as the data that's fed into it. So if the inputs to an algorithm are missing key pieces of data, like the things that you didn't cross off your list, then it's hard for it to create an accurate output. And if Facebook is making determinations about your newsfeed based on incomplete data, then chances are your newsfeed isn't as interesting as it could be. And, and conversely, if you actually posted about all the things that you're passionate about on Facebook, you might run the risk of your friends and family thinking you're weird or worse and unfollowing you. And that hurts your experience as well. Um, so there's no real incentive for you to post those kinds of things. It's kind of a lose-lose situation. So in other words, the inherent nature of the Facebook platform pre prevents it from doing the very thing that it was created to do, to connect you to the things that you love. Right? That's kind of weird, right? And to the extent that this is true, Facebook's newsfeed will always fail to live up to its potential, but more on that in a bit. Um, so the first major problem with Facebook is that it doesn't really know you. The second problem is related to that. See, Facebook doesn't really know anyone. Remember, only uh, people only share a fraction of themselves on Facebook, and, and that means that as you survey the landscape of your newsfeed, not only are you being fed posts based on incomplete information, but your perception of others based on what they post, that's also skewed. So even if the algorithm could somehow magically guess the things that you didn't cross off your list, the stuff that it puts in your newsfeed still doesn't accurately represent the people who created those posts. Because look, if you think you're the only person who has stuff on that list, right, that stuff that wasn't crossed off, you're crazy. Everyone you know has stuff on their list. There's a whole world of secret passions out there that you know exactly nothing about. And the people who are concealing those passions, they're some of your closest friends, maybe even your family, maybe even your spouse. So we talk a lot about bubbles, and especially after the last election, right? The idea is that Facebook makes it really easy to find the people who agree with your worldview, and it makes it difficult to find people who disagree. But as we've just discussed, that's really only part of the problem. The other part, the part that's perhaps even more concerning is that even inside our bubbles, we have very little idea of who we're talking to or what they actually care about. So yeah, you're in a bubble and it's a distorted bubble and it's created with bad data and it's filled with people who are inherently hiding things about themselves. Again, if I sound like I'm making a judgment, I'm not. If you like your distorted bubble, more power to you. I just want to point out that Facebook is a lot like a kid's breakfast cereal, right? The picture on the outside of the box is a highly stylized version of what's actually on the inside. Okay, okay, I hear you. You're sitting there wondering, so what? Well, this is a podcast about the future, so let's get out our crystal balls and let's fast forward to the year 2024. It's election season, and your timeline is filled with things that one candidate said and quasi-informed opinions about another candidate's position on some policy, whatever. The details aren't important. What's important is that your newsfeed is filled with things that you generally agree with, right? So you've blocked out, like, that sycophantic high school classmate, um, and Facebook's algorithm is feeding you news from the news outlets that, uh, that best suit your bias, and things are looking nice and homogenous. 
And then your candidate loses. And you're shocked, right? Because literally everything you've seen on Facebook has been in support of your candidate. How could they have lost? A month later, a friend invites you to a holiday party. And it being an election year, after a few drinks, the conversation naturally turns to politics. This is typically an uncomfortable situation, but you've come prepared. You know a half dozen reasons why your candidate was the better choice. And what's more, you know your friends have your back. They've been posting statements of support for your candidate for months. This is going to be great. You're looking forward to it. But it's not great. Because during the course of conversation, your friends come to the consensus that while your candidate had positions that align with their way of thinking, there's actually a really good case to be made for the president-elect's way of doing things, too. Maybe one of your friends, who is a lifelong teacher, wasn't impressed with your candidate's education policy, but didn't post about that on Facebook because he knows none of his friends are education policy wonks. It would be boring. Or maybe another of your friends who grew up abroad really liked the president-elect's culturally aware reformation policies in war-torn countries. But she didn't post about that on Facebook because she knew it might draw the ire of her more isolationist friends, those darn isolationists. And over the course of the evening, you begin to understand that the monotone tapestry of your Facebook newsfeed was really anything but. Heck, by the end of the night, you might have been convinced to vote for the other candidate. But how was that possible? Well, simply put, what makes these bubbles possible is a lack of anonymity. Specifically, it's the fear that sharing something while non-anonymous will negatively impact a person's relationship with others. People don't put their name on things that they think might be embarrassing or boring. It's better, in that case, to say nothing at all. But that doesn't do much to help us burst our bubbles, does it? I mean, if there's a legitimate opportunity for us to be exposed to ideas that we might not otherwise encounter, and to hear those ideas from people we trust, then in theory, that's the opportunity of a lifetime. It's sort of the whole point of the internet. But in a lot of ways, Facebook is keeping us from realizing that opportunity, right? It's fostered a culture and a product that are both designed to reinforce only the elements of people's personalities that they want to share. And by telling people that Facebook is an analog to the world, right, that it's full of real places and real people and that it makes efforts to remove fake or fictional accounts, Facebook is helping us to distort our own worldview. So how does anonymity help? Well, let's go back to our holiday dinner party, right? Let's pretend it's 2024, Facebook has changed its policy, and will now allow its users to sometimes post anonymously. And let's say it works like this. Any user can post anonymously, and instead of a person's name at the top of a post, it would just read a friend next to one of those gray default profile pictures, you know, the one with the silhouette of an androgynous person. Uh, otherwise, posts would look exactly the same as any other post, right? They would be served algorithmically, just like any other post. But even though your friends wouldn't know that you posted about, say, 1980s Japanese animation styles, um, Facebook would know. And so Facebook would be able to put content about 80s anime into your newsfeed. So let's say this is how Facebook operates in 2024. All right, just go with me. And let's run this scenario back again. So you see posts from all of your friends supporting your candidate. But you also see anonymous posts with thoughtful disagreements about how your candidate's education policy works. There are also anonymous posts praising the other candidate's stance on rebuilding war-torn nations, um, and they're similarly well-informed. 
But you're sticking with your candidate because having posted about things that you really care about, like the preservation of coastal fisheries, for example, Facebook has recommended articles outlining each candidate's environmental policy, which is a really core issue for you. So you know going into election day that it's going to be a close race, right? You've seen posts from both sides. And when your candidate loses, you know that you can at least take solace in the fact that the new president-elect has some promising ideas about education and foreign policy. And when the conversation at the dinner party turns to politics, you begin to piece together who had posted what, so you can have a thoughtful conversation with your friend, the teacher, and your friend who grew up abroad, and, if you, uh, and you're beginning with some sort of common understanding. And having lived through the 2016 election, this euphoric vision of the future seems almost alien. But remember what Doc Brown said at the end of Back to the Future Part 3. Your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. So make it a good one. Both of you. So as I said in episode one, I really believe that the more you know about people, the more you know about the world, and the better equipped you are to make important decisions. And as I said in this episode, Facebook, and any social media app really, this one included, has an opportunity to help us better understand the human condition. But short of Facebook letting its users post anonymously sometimes, which, let's face it, Mark Zuckerberg probably isn't subscribed to this podcast, he's probably not even on Anchor. So aside from that, what can we do to help people better understand each other? Well, I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to take that list of yours, right, the one that you created from earlier in this episode, and for the next week, I want you to post about one of the things that you didn't cross out once a day, every day. You, you can make every day different, or every day can be about the same thing, but the challenge is to let yourself be open about the things that you really care about and to give others the opportunity to be curious, to be challenged, and to be inspired by your example. And when you're done, drop me a line to let me know how it went. Collins, comments, claps, always appreciated. You know where to find me. Thank you for listening. I'm Matt Shaw, and this is The Big Fat Future. We'll talk to you in the future.